Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, talking about the classroom, talking about gaming in the classroom, designing games for the classroom, talking to Dustin Stats, a guy that's been doing it for a while. Dustin, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to be on your show. You were on mine recently, so it's awesome. Comes full circle. Yeah, absolutely. So you asked me to come on your show because I've been doing this kind of thing. I've been creating uh, some interesting like RPG kind of stuff for my own classroom here in Honduras, specifically with some 10th grade students and, and figuring out ways to inject you know story and game mechanics into the classroom. And this is something you've been doing for a while as well. And you run your own podcast, you know, talking to really cool people about this. So I'm excited to talk to you today about these different uh, things that you've been learning as far as ways to gamify the classroom, ways to bring you know normal like published games in, but also ways to design for your classroom and, and kind of what that looks like. But real quick, before we get into it, who are you? Give me your bio, how you get into game design, where you live, all that good stuff. Yeah, um, I'm Dustin. I'm actually currently living in Taipei, Taiwan. Uh, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. Not a lot of people around Taiwan know Nebraska or Omaha, so hopefully some of your listeners can relate. Um, yeah, I'd say a few of my listeners might actually know where you're <laughs> Yeah, so I got into games pretty specifically or like really dived into the industry about a year ago when I started my podcast. Um, and the podcast is Board Game with English. And I use board games to help English learners improve and practice their English. But um, I first got into the industry by listening to different podcasts like yours. And I owe a lot to uh, your podcast as well as some others that I listen to and um, helping me kind of understand and come to know how the industry kind of works. Um, so from there, I uh, maybe two two months, three months into the podcast, I wanted to start designing games. I've done it a bit in my classroom, created some games that I made on my own, as well as bringing elements of other games. So I'm really excited to dive into this topic. Yeah, for sure. And let's just jump right in. How have you used games in the classroom? Like, Give me some different ways. And like you just mentioned, there's more than one. So we'll just kind of go step by step. But just uh, what's one of the ways you've used gaming in the classroom? Uh, yeah, so a lot of times, especially for English, it's it's a great tool because when you're playing a game, it's that is the learning. Um, you're using the language to learn. And even just as recent as yesterday, I was teaching a class and we, we played a survival game. It's called Lost at Sea. It's actually online. It's a free team building exercise. And I made it into kind of a competition where they competed with other players or other groups of teams. Um, so just taking any game and using it in class uh, to help them improve and practice their English, I had them write an ACES paragraph of one item, which means they create a topic sentence, they explain, give an example of why that item is important, and then they explain and summarize. Um, so it, it helps them kind of think about paragraph writing as well as practicing their English. Um, I've done it with other games as well. There's a game called Strike a Pose, and this is more of a, a little fun, silly game, but it helps them feel more comfortable and confident in the classroom as far as recognizing and learning just 
small vocabulary words like uh, I think there's some words like pilot, uh, waiter. So they have to strike a pose based on whatever word they have. Yeah, very cool. And what what level of English would you say these kids have? Um, so currently I teach uh, writing and grammar classes and then business English classes. The writing grammar, I teach some international students. So their their level of English is, some of them are, the range is really, really wide. I mean, there are some students that they're f- pretty much fluent in English. They just need a bit more practice with their writing. Um, and then there are some that maybe intermediate level. And then I also teach a class that is uh, Taiwanese students and their English is a little bit lower generally overall. Um, but they their range maybe is from basic to intermediate yeah, level. Gotcha. The uh, students I teach, they're they're pretty much fluent by the time they get to me. They've been in this bilingual school, most of them their entire lives. It's a K through 12 kind of situation, about 600 students overall. And so by the time I get them in 10th grade and then 12th grade, they're really, really good. And so what's been great about using games in the classroom is one, it, okay, so the side effect of like, we get to practice English and, you know, work on vocabulary words, stuff like that. But I get to like really expand and, and have fun with concepts and stuff like that. But also just building relationships, like using games. Uh, there's a gaming club that me and another teacher started on Monday afternoons and like using games to build relationships and that kind of thing. It's been a lot of fun just to explore that. What are some of, the, some of your favorite games that you've brought into the classroom? You mentioned Strike a Pose. I think that's also Yogi. I think that uh, got re- like changed, the name got changed, I believe. I think Bez who was on my show a while back. I okay. think if I remember right. And they changed the name anyway. So that's a really cool game if it's the same one I'm thinking about. What are some of the other games you used? Yeah. Um, going back to what you said about building relationships and also answering your question, uh, a game I just used yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Um, Pandemic. Yeah. And I, I play it with in my I played it in my English corner because it has to be a, a smaller number of students. If I did it in class, I'd have to split them up in the groups and monitor that. And that's, I think, a bit too much um, classroom management for that game. But in the English corner, it worked out really well. I had uh, them work in partners. So they each had a partner controlling one character. So they had to communicate with their partner first. And then they're communicating as a team to decide what to do. Um, But with that English corner, I have three students who are also in my class and just by having them in the English corner, I can see how the relationship has been, I guess, become stronger because of them joining the game, uh, the game English corner, the English corner game. Yeah, definitely. All right. So what are some of the other ways you've used games in the classroom? It's awesome to just take parts of games too. Um, trying to think of an example, maybe let's, uh, answer that question a little differently. Another example of a game that I've used um, is Two Rooms and a Boom. So that game is a social deduction game. And with a lot of the games I do, I have a short lecture to help the students understand the language and the grammar structures they need to use to play the game. And we'll go over some of the vocabulary. So doing that lecture allows them to kind of see how that language is used and helps them build confidence playing the game. Uh, when students are playing a game, they're not learning a language anymore. They're playing a game and that helps them to have less pressure playing. So they're more free to be okay making mistakes because it doesn't matter if they make a mistake as long as they can figure out how to win the game and they're trying to uh, compete with their classmates and um, figure out the strategies to winning. So making a mistake isn't as important as winning. 
Yeah, definitely. It's, it's great when the learning kind of falls to the side and the game is what's at the forefront. I think this is where a lot of educational games fall flat is they go into the, to the situation thinking, I want to make an educational game and hopefully it's fun as opposed to making a game that's fun. That's also educational. I think that's where a lot of people kind of get things mixed up. You want to make sure your game's fun and then have some educational elements with it because you, you want the educational stuff to kind of go to the side. You want it to be in the peripheral that people don't even realize that they're learning. Like if you can trick your kids into learning, that's one thing I learned as a teacher. If I can like trick my kids, my students into learning, like today, for instance, I was doing a, a lecture, kind of, kind of lecture. It turned into a project. So I'm working on this unit about different like ways to create content, different content that we use in the real world. I mean, it's a literature class. And so we're doing a lot of literary stuff and poems and all that. But I want them also to have like 2018 style knowledge, right? And so we're talking about blog posts and YouTube videos and Twitch and like all the different ways that content's created. And then we got to talk about memes. And so like right now they're doing like a little homework assignment, basically project where they go home and they find their favorite memes and they're going to bring them back tomorrow. And we're going to like create memes and talk about why memes work and like the psychology behind it and content creation and how you can use memes in business. But anyway, and like I'm tricking these kids into learning these different concepts. And so I feel like using games is a great way to do that. Have you, if you kind of found the same, same thing? Yeah. I mean, with, with language learning, it's, it's awesome because I don't, always need an excuse to use it in my class um, because they are producing the language if they're playing the game they're using acquiring the language if they play their game so anytime we play a game it's almost tricking them into learning English (laughs) Um, so it's it's always like it's great because I I always do a pre-survey for all my courses and ask my students what they want to learn and how they like to learn and what kind of activities they want to do. And and games is always the number one response. It's always like 80% of the responses are games. They want to play games in the classroom. And I, I get that because I think that you should want to do, like if, if there's an intrinsic motivation to learn, the learning will happen. And uh, so I just, I, I like to use games as much as possible, but at the same time, I, I need to know, are they actually learning English through the games? Or So I've done a little bit of research on that end too and, and did some quizzes to see if with one class we played a game and I gave them a quiz. The other class, we didn't play a game and I gave them a quiz. We did a lecture to see if they kind of have been, have been actually learning the grammar structures that the game includes. So the survey results were we're pretty okay. I need to refine the survey instrument and redo the quiz again and see if it actually helps them learn. I know it, I I kind of have a hunch it does, but it's nice to have the data to prove it though. Right. 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 And so have you done anything to like gamify? Cause it's one thing to play games in a classroom, but have you done anything to like kind of gamify the classroom? And actually before we even get into that, like what is gamification? Just so people know. Um, Gamification, I would say, would be adding. Uh, there's a lot of definitions online, and from the ones that I've kind of read through and my understanding of it is uh, adding any element of a game, like either a point system, some sort of competition. What are other elements of games? Yeah, like I've seen like Classcraft is one of those. And so like you get health points, and then if, like, right. if you have bad behavior, your, your character loses health, and if they die, there's consequences. Or you can level up and get like special privileges in the classroom that let you do stuff or maybe skip a quiz or turn in a homework late. And like I've seen really interesting ways to, to kind of do that kind of stuff. Right, yeah. I guess uh, creating a leveling system or extra privileges, that's right. Um, with my course this semester, I... I 
created a gamified system for the entire course and it's been a learning experience. I think I created my created a lot more work for myself, but <laughs> the one thing I was worried about doing, man. I thought about like how can I give it from my classroom? Is this going to cause me 10 more extra hours of work a week or something? Yeah, it's it's a lot of work. I have to keep track of their because their knowledge points are their it's their level up system. So once they hit a certain knowledge point, they earn a level and that's also associated to their grade. So each week I'm keeping track of what assignments they're doing. Are they coming to class? Um, are they doing any other special challenges to win extra knowledge points? And I have to keep track of that for four different classes. So about 150 students have different level wow. systems for <laughs> all these students. So it's, it's been a lot of work, but I think, I think the students are really liking it because on top of the knowledge points, they're also using Sherlock Holmes consulting detective. So that's another time I've used games and, so they're solving the mystery and they need knowledge points to be able to investigate different clues. So once they, their yeah. team earns a certain number of knowledge points, they can go investigate a clue and learn more information about the case. Um, so students really like that. And that's for me, it's awesome because it helps them improve their language. They have to read about the case yeah. and kind of look at the details of the reading and the case too. Yeah. And it's also logic. You have to like, you, you have to use your brain. You right. can't just like read it. You have to also think about it and kind of use context clues to figure out words you don't know. Cause there's even words I don't know that's in that stuff. Right. And so that's a really cool way to, to use that. Um, what's been your success with it? Like have kids really grasped the different things going on with the cases and been able to figure them out or has it been just really difficult for them? Yeah, it's been a wide range because with any class you have some, some students who are, aren't, really too involved. I would say like 90% of the students, I maybe had one or two groups out of the four classes that kind of just read it and didn't really think about it. But then you had other groups. I asked them once they read the case, I asked them, what are some details in the case? And they told me it was during the winter. There were three deaths instead of just two. They were able to tell me where the deaths were. Like they, they caught up on all the details that they needed to. Um, one thing that I also helped is I rewrote the this the case so to okay. make the language a bit more simple but by still kind of hitting the level that the students still need to kind of learn a little bit and maybe look up some of the words yeah that makes sense now as far as like if you could do it again to maybe make less work for yourself or something like that like if someone's listening to this thinking about i want to game it my classroom what would you suggest you know just kind of based on your experience up to this point um create a good solid excel document <laughs> that you can easily modify and that's that's been the biggest that's been the biggest challenge i'm i i think i set it up very wrong but at least it's i'm able to track it and i think it's a bit easier i've actually went back to just tracking it on paper first and then going back into my excel and then putting it that actually saves a bit more time um and then also one thing because it is the first time the point system i'm not sure where exactly the students will fall in the point system for their grade. I added up all the points and I have a rough number of the points they're allowed to get each week. And based on that, I know kind of where they should fall for the students who are completing most of the exercises versus the ones that maybe complete them all and do the extra work should be uh, at 100%. And then the ones that are doing most of it should be around 85 or 90 uh, so that's something that to really keep in mind as you're planning and you, if you want to use like a leveling system that's connected to experience points. 
Yeah, for sure. One thing I was thinking about using, you know, doing something similar for my own class and having, you know, everybody have a character and they level up and do different things. And then you can also do like side quests or side missions. And so if you like, you go and you read a novel on your own that we're not doing in class and you do like a report on it or you do some kind of thing to let me know you read without just going to Spark Notes or something like that, that could be a really interesting way right. to kind of do things as well. And so do you have anything that you do like that for like extra credit? Yeah, that's actually one thing I've I've been trying to figure out how to include extra like side quests that are related to the murder mystery. Um, in the past, the very first week, to make sure they know they should watch the videos because I also flipped my classroom where they're watching the lectures online and then we're doing homework in class. So to know they're watching the video, I stopped the video mid-video and I just showed myself and I said, the secret word is coffee. Uh, because I really like coffee. And if you want to earn some extra points, please write coffee in your answer. So I, I after that first week, I knew who was going to watch the videos and who was not going to watch the videos. So um, I do stuff like that. And then I, I have other optional activities that are just, extra, they can earn bonus points, uh, more knowledge points for their their level. And that's just like reading extra articles and then... Um, commenting on them yeah for sure i love the idea of hiding little easter eggs in there right i, I love doing this just to mess with them too like on my last test the very last question it was they had to they were learning how to punctuate dialogue and so they had to you know put the the quotation marks in the right place and the commas and the periods of stuff and the very last line of dialogue that they read it said put a put the number seven next to your name to get an to get a bonus point on this test said mr barrett <laughs> and so they had to like you know punctuate it like i had said it and there was like maybe 20% that thought, hmm, I wonder if this is real. And so they put a seven next to their, and that 20% of my class, uh, in the different classes, they got an extra bonus point. And it was hilarious for me to like, when I passed the test back, people were like, wait, that was, that was a bonus point. I was like, well, I mean, you know, who, who knows, who knows what's going to be bonus points in here and just kind of like messing with them and making them think and have to process through as opposed to just kind of turning your brain off, going through the motions. Okay. Here's where the punctuation goes. All right. I turned my test in. Like, no, there's more to it. And so like really kind of messing with them. I've been having a lot of fun and I'm, I'm excited about adding other little Easter egg things here and there, especially as we get into the actual game we're going to be doing. And I think, I think this year, so last year it was kind of D and D based, you know, as dragons and spells and you know, warriors and clerics and like kind of mm-hmm. But this year, I'm really thinking it's going to be like a time stories kind of thing. Because that way I can, because time travel opens up every every option, right? We can go back into a fantasy kind of setting. We can go to the future. We can go to the present. We can go to the different time periods that these different authors are living in, that their stories that we're reading, the books that we're reading. And so they can meet those authors in the story and they can do different things. I can use their novel. I can say, you know, turn to page 72 and the fifth word. And I can use like puzzles and things like that using the stories that they're reading. And so I'm excited to see how, how this thing plays out, but it, I've had a lot of success. It's been a lot of fun. Like the, the students that were with me last year. I'm not teaching them this year. They're in 11th grade now, but I'll have them again. So I teach 10th and 12th. So I'll have them again next year. They, they come up to me pretty regularly and they're like, are we going to play the game next year? Are we, are we going to, we're going to do that again. We're going to do that again. Right. It's like, Oh, well, we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. And uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I feel like students really enjoy this. And again, it tricks them into learning. So it works out for everybody. Right. Yeah. Time travel. That's like, that's perfect for literature yeah. or history class, like adding that element. They can eat, like even, write themselves into the story. And yeah, that's pretty cool. Definitely. And so like, what are some, are there any other ways? So we've talked about, you've used, you know, published board games uh, in the classroom. You've gamified your classroom in different ways. Anything else you've done to kind of bring gaming into the classroom, maybe in uh, some other way? 
Um, something you mentioned earlier about educational games. I think uh, that's one thing that I feel like the board game industry is finally figuring out, maybe. And uh, there are some educational games yeah. that are that are fun. Um, I haven't played these two, but I know there's a couple uh, science-based games. One was just on Kickstarter. I think called oh, Periodic, yeah. maybe. Well, I can't remember the name of that company, but they specialize and, in these kinds of games where they've got like a whole line of different like science-based right. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think like like those those kind of games are really I think helpful for students because if it's yeah. if they're actually fun, the, again the learning kind of just it happens. And I did a professional development this past summer with uh, some teachers here, and there's one science teacher, and I they do a biology game too, and and I recommended that to her. I think those games are are good for the classroom, just as maybe like a you have some students who finish early and they can they can play a game as they wait for the other students that are still working on yeah. a project or something. Definitely. Well, cool. Any other ways? Like what about designing your own kind of stuff? So it's one thing to gamify and do the different things, but have you designed any games yourself that were made specifically for the classroom or for your students or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I've designed a couple games. So I've always, ever since I started teaching, I've always used elements of games or games-based learning that, in the classroom, I just, at the time, I didn't realize I, or I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I just knew I needed to make my learning engaging for the students. And one of the first times I used it, I created a adventures game, I guess. And in Korea, I was teaching in Korea. I saw you had a teacher teaching in Korea on the podcast just yesterday. Yeah, well, it was a guy. He used to. He used to live in Korea. Okay. He used to teach over there. And now yeah. he's back in the UK where he's from. Yeah. Yeah, so I I had a similar experience. I was in Korea and um, I taught elementary students English as well. And I used Avengers as their characters in the classroom. And if they answered a question correctly, their character moved across the board. And so the, each group had a hero. If they answered a question correctly, if they um, participated, if they only spoke English... They, their character would move. Anything positive, their character would move. If they did anything negative, because I didn't want to take away their points, I created also a character, and I would move across the board if they did anything negative. So it was a competition between me and the students. Yeah. And that was like the first time I used games that I can remember or an element of gaming in the classroom. And from there, I've kind of just tried to figure out how I can create activities that are games-based. Um one that I did in Taiwan with my university students is I created a negotiation game. So each group had a company and they had a certain number of resources with their company. Uh, I, th I think the resources were very, very basic, like iPhones, chairs, tables. Um, some of them had managers. Some of them had a, like a CEO. Um, others had just this employees. And each company had, I guess it was kind of an asymmetric game at definitely needed some work on the balance though <laughs> but the goal of the game wasn't to to actually compete it was to learn so they they needed to negotiate with the other companies and they needed to make a win-win deal and in order to do that they had to maybe sacrifice some of their profit in order to complete their goal which would end up giving them more points in the end of the game yeah. so that was a way where i i kind of designed a game that was mine from the start and implemented that into the class as a way to meet some learning objectives 
for that semester. Awesome. Any other games you, you've worked on for your class? Uh, there's another one that I did just recently last last semester or over the summer, actually, um, a refugee-based game. So in Taiwan, um, I know in Central America, South America, refugee is kind of something that most people are aware of. In Taiwan, the students, they're not aware of what this kind of challenge that the world faces yeah. is. And um, so I created a game to help them understand the experience of what it might be to be a refugee and what kind of choices when you really don't have choices, yeah. <laughs> but you you have to do something. And based on that decision, it might not work out the way you had planned. Um, so it's a a choice-based game where they, they decide which way to travel to a country, and then the countries have to decide if they want to accept refugees into their country and um, how to help other refugees maybe by giving them resources as they go along on their travel. Um, again, the balance with that game is is not, <laughs> it needs more play testing. We play tested maybe just that one time with a class. And um, by the end of the game, if they continued to play, everyone would end up a refugee. Mm. So there was, the balance was, the balance was missing there. Um, but I think that was a really good experience for the students because I, I had taught, or I did an after-school program in Washington, D.C., and I helped a lot of refugee and immigrant families. And so I shared my experience with that, and then we did the we played the role-playing game, and it really hit home with some of the students. And some of the responses I got kind of like, they gave me goosebumps that I, I actually made an impact on this student, and they were able to express it to me. Like, this is a situation that, that they now can understand a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. I think in this kind of situation, what you're really going for is probably not balance. It's definitely not fun. It's it's empathy, right? It's seeing the world differently, seeing the world from another person's perspective, which is easily one of the most important things for a young person to learn, for anybody, but definitely a young person to learn is, is how to how to step back from yourself, from your own life, from your own privileges or whatever you're experiencing in life and going, you know, the way I'm living is not how anyone else on the planet is living. And there's 7 billion of us, right? And so just realizing that I think is, is, is amazing for a teacher to get across to their students. So much more important than, uh, you know, a lot of the other stuff. Uh, it's something I was working on, I guess it was about two years ago. So during the summer, I run a ministry in Atlanta that works with the homeless. And youth groups from all over the country come in and they stay at the church where I work. And we go out every day and we serve in some way. And it's almost all relational kind of stuff. And it might be, you know, uh, making lunch for people and sitting down and eating with people, uh, playing, we do a lot of games and playing Jenga and Uno and stuff like that, uh, going out on the streets where people live under bridges and stuff and taking food, taking prayer, that kind of thing. And so I started thinking like, well, how, would, would there be a way to kind of bring games into this situation in an educational way? And so I started like really working on this game I called Homeless and Tired. And basically you took on the role of a person experiencing homelessness. And my goal with the game was to make it as frustrating as possible. I wanted I wanted person the people playing it to feel annoyed, frustrated, angry, just pissed off at so many situations, and like the game was not there was no winning, you know, and the game constantly penalized you for doing different things. It constantly forced you down paths you didn't want to go down, and it was interesting. And I remember playtesting it with some some of the other people I worked with, and uh, just like fifteen minutes in, they looked at me and they're like, "I hate this." 
I hate that I can't do anything I want. I'm constantly having to like go use the bathroom and I, there's nowhere to go use the bathroom and I need these forms and the place is closed. And then I got rot, like somebody stole all my stuff. And it's like, yes, okay, we're on the right track. You're, you're feeling what you're supposed to be feeling, which is annoyed, annoyed and pissed off and angry, you know, all these things. And so I, I think a lot, a lot of times it, if you're making an educational game where you're trying to get across some kind of experience, it's important to like really bring that out the best you can. Uh, and it's, it's a hard thing. Cause one of the re- one of the things I ran into was there are certain parts of the game that were too fun. They were like, they were too enjoyable. I was like, okay, I got to cut this out. This is, this is getting fun. And we, that's not what this is about. And so that was like one of the bigger obstacles for designing that game. And, and anyway, it's just, it's just interesting when you start driving down these different roads than typical game design. Uh, and uh, what was the game it's underground railroad, um, that came out a while back, that co-op game. I think it runs into some similar interesting kind of things and it does it really, really well where it's, the game is not necessarily fun it, it, it is because you get to do some cool stuff but like there's also a lot of like really like wow this this hurts kind of situations and moments which is exactly what the game was going for and so yeah it's interesting when you start getting into the design theory of these kinds of games as opposed to your typical oh, i want to make a game two to four players two plays an hour it's a ton of fun you know it's, it's a different animal yeah i mean like just just like the education games i think uh, the board game industry i'm fairly new to listening to podcasts and listening to a lot of people in the industry but it seems like in recent years it's been pushing boundaries on these types of different game designs like the underground railroad i i've never played it but i've heard i think several times people mention this as one of the games that kind of you you create it for the experience of of empathy and in motion and it's a real commentary on society versus just a game for fun yeah, definitely. And man, it's such an interesting thing. I love, I wish I could remember the name of their company, but the the, the guys that made Periodic and made all these other scientific games, mm. like they've, they've found a really cool niche to do this kind of stuff. And you're playing a game and it is enjoyable and it's a different experience, but you're also learning and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're gaining more knowledge in these scientific things, whether it's periodic table or biology or chemistry. It's just, it's an interesting field. But like, like you're saying, it, it, the world has opened up now, especially with Kickstarter, right? Because it used to, you're, you're putting a lot of money on something you hoped was going to work, right? Where now with Kickstarter, you can put a, a little bit of money in and then the market says, yeah, we'll buy that. You know, uh, you know a thousand people go, yeah, I'll, I'll raise my hand and buy that game. That seems like a cool thing I can, I can do or do with my family or with my classroom or something like that. And so we're inter- entering into this really awesome time where you don't have to worry. Hey, this game is not super fun. It's a, it's a social commentary game <laughs> and you can find an audience because of, of you know, the online nature of things and, and Kickstarter. So yeah, it's a, it's a cool time to live in. I hope more games push the envelope like that. More games like really kind of push this whole empathy, different perspectives, different ideas kind of thing out there. And and because you're going to find a home, whether it's in the classroom or whether it's with people, whether, whether it's with just parents that want to show their kids something else. Like, you know, if, if you're going to talk about slavery, you, that Underground Railroad game is a great way to kind of ease into it and talk about this stuff, whether it's in the classroom or at home and talk about, hey, this is a really ugly time in human history. But it also created some really awesome her- like her- heroic moments in human history too. Like as ugly as it was, there was also these like bright lights of these other people on a different side who said, yeah, we're not going to stand for that. We're going to, we're going to be the heroes of this age. Not that they wanted to be heroes. They just wanted to end an evil institution. Right. And so you get this like really cool story element in there too. It's like, okay, this is awful, but here's some bright spots as well. And you kind of ease people into the, the bigger picture. Yeah. I mean, especially with Kickstarter and, and there's so many different circles, um, the one I can relate to is education and and I maybe it's just the the experience, my own experience, but it seems like there are a lot of teachers that are into yeah. board games. Um, and you can find 
I mean, if you have a great educational board game, it it's easy to find people that want to play it. Yeah, definitely. Now, going back to playtesting, you mentioned playtesting. What has been your experience and maybe maybe things you want to do in the future as well as far as playtesting these games? You know, because you can do it this quarter and then, you know, you get another class in maybe next quarter, next semester, you can do it again. So you can kind of, you have this captive audience. So it's a big thing, kind of playtest the game whether they want to or not. But what's been your experience with playtesting and like, what would you advise people on? Yeah, so as far as playtesting goes, uh, I do only get that maybe once a semester to do it. But last year, the negotiation game, I actually don't teach that course this semester, sadly, because I'd, I'd like to try it again. Um, but I only get to do it maybe three or four times a semester. And as I do it, I change uh, things for the next class. Yeah. It's just like teaching anyways. When you have a lesson plan that you teach four times, the first time you do it, it improves to the second time. You kind of have to you have to modify it as you go. Um, and also, I, I want to start creating a system with my English corner, especially because I think playtesting and knowing if the games are working for the students is important and kind of surveying the students and knowing is this something that is beneficial to them. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing that's helpful in these scenarios is you go into every single time you play the game, you go into it with an idea about where you want the students to end up. Right. So if, with, if it's with mm -hmm. negotiation or if it's with this refugee game or if my homeless game, whatever, like you want people to feel a certain way by the end. And so do they feel that way? And if they don't, okay, how can I tweak things? Right. So if somebody plays my, if, if someone were to play that game that you're, you take on the role of a, a person experiencing homelessness and you get to the end of the game, you're like, man, that was fun. Okay. Okay. I need to fix this game. It's broken. It's, it's not what I needed to be. And so you, you kind of go into it thinking, all right, this is what I want this class in general to feel. This is what I want them to take away from it. And how well does it do that? And you can kind of tweak things. And like you said, even from class to class, all right, we're going to change this a little bit. We're going to do this a little bit different. And, and yeah, it's, it's interesting. But if you if you're teaching multiple classes a day, at least you get multiple play tests in a day, right? And you get to figure out you know things from one class to another. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's nice to have that opportunity to play test with, like you said, a captive audience. They can't. It's they for can't their grade. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Right. I mean, as long as it's it's matching that learning objective, yeah. or I can I can try to make it yeah, seem like it, it is bit, somehow. Right? But yeah, no, uh, it's. It's been good to be able to play test those types of games. But as a teacher, I think I'm balancing uh, the play test as well as their learning objectives. And and at the end, I, I remember one student after one class, he had talked to me and he was really concerned about the balance of the game. And I knew like his English was pretty good and I could gather that's what he was trying to tell me. But I was not able to communicate to him as well as I'd like to, I think that it's not really about the balance. It's not about winning. I just want you to be able to practice using these like grammar sentences to negotiate with your classmates. But yeah, he was he was pretty pretty concerned. I think he was a little upset in a frustrated kind of way, but um, I think he got over it because it was it was all for bonus points anyways. It wasn't an actual grade, so right. Yeah, it's something I ran into when I was last year when I was doing the D and D style, and it's not full on D and D because, good lord, that would take forever in a classroom environment. Uh, but it's a very streamlined D and D setting kind of thing. I use the Fate Core system and, and even a streamlined version of that, and, and it works really, really well. But one thing, the students they, they kept trying to win, 
And I was like, guys, you, you can't win D&D. Like, there's no winning. You don't win D&D. It's not that kind of game. Like, this is about storytelling. And so there were certain situations where, like, something would happen. And I would look at, you know, a person and they go, all right, what do you do? And they'd say, is there a window somewhere near me? I'm like, yeah. Like, I open the window and I run away. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, that is not how you tell a good story. That is, no, no, you're, no. And I was like, why, why are you doing that? I said, well, I don't want to die. I was like, what do you think happens if you die in this game? I'm like, well, I can't play anymore. It's like, no, that's not what happens. You create a new character that comes in and we create a new backstory and we create all new thing and you come in and you tell another cool story, you know, and even in the dying, you can tell a really cool story. I remember the way the game ended. So the very last day of class that we did this, there was one, one guy who had this character that all the other characters kind of hated just because the way he was. And he like, always wanted to take the best loot. And, you know, he was just this guy that, that they were like, ah. And so I basically engineered the story so that there would be this moment at the very last, like the very last kind of thing where it was going to be 50, 50 about him living or dying, like his character making it out alive or not. And it came down to like this final die roll and he's trying to win. He's trying to live and make it to the next, you know, makes the next day, so to speak. And everyone else is hoping for him to lose. They're hoping he fails this die roll and he ended up failing and he couldn't get out of the castle as it, as it collapsed. And so like his character died amongst the rubble and everybody else made it out of the, out of the castle after beating the big boss. Right. And everyone cheered and everyone laughed and he, you know, he was all in good yeah. fun, right? it, but it created these really cool moments for, for kids to understand storytelling, for them to understand plot and character and narrative and all these concepts that they were learning from me just talking about it and us reading about it, but then they got to experience it as well. And so it was just really cool to kind of engineer that game for them to, to grasp these concepts, even if they didn't realize that's what, what they were doing. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. So like, what has been your, your experience like with the students responses? Like what are, what are students saying to you? Like you mentioned one kid's like, well, it's not balanced. But like in general though, like what, what have you heard from your kids? Um, I think, uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to, I guess brag, but I know, <laughs> okay, know a lot of my students, <laughs> a lot of my students enjoy my classes. And I think it's partly because I am doing what they think is beneficial as well as what okay. they enjoy. And the games, the games help me with that. They're an awesome tool for that. Uh, a lot of students, I mean, I guess not so much tell me but at least show with their actions the same students they show up to english corner each week and that's like that's awesome to have those same like they don't need to come it's it's an hour out of their day they choose to come to the english corner um and i see a lot of engagement in the games as well like i don't i don't need to ask them yeah. to play the game like i would have to ask them to volunteer to share an answer they just they do it because they enjoy it and that engagement, like as a teacher, that's the that's one of the best things you can hope for is engage students. Um, so yeah, I think overall, like using games for me has been a very positive experience. I know there are some times that or challenges to using games. I guess just yesterday too, I had a I had a very uh, eventful day as far as games <laughs> based learning goes. We did the survival game, and one one group. I don't know if it's a miscommunication between them understanding the directions and them not really understanding what to write as far as tallying up their score, but they had tallied their score and they had a very high score, which means they didn't do so well. And they came and talked to me and they said, oh, they the other group tallied our score wrong. So I looked at it and the group did it correctly, but she said, oh, no, we wrote these numbers over here. And so I, I let her take it back and redo it or uh, tally the score their way. 
And then I, when she gave it back to me, their score was almost zero. So I was, I was, uh, I was pretty <laughs> sure they changed some numbers because yeah. no one really scores a zero. And I, I told her that and I was like, well, what about these numbers here? Like, and she was really upset and I wasn't quite sure like how to explain this is, it's just a game. It's just bonus points. Um, but she was she was not she was not taking that. So that that's one drawback. I think that that's the first time I've actually experienced where a student got upset because of losing. And I think it's something to consider is is be sure that the game is mm-hmm. is low stakes. It's bonus points. I, I think maybe I needed to emphasize that a little bit more. But that that's been one drawback as far as uh, games. Some sometimes students get a little too too enthralled into the into the game and get a little upset if they lose maybe that's but again that's that's an outlier it's only happened once and i've played a lot of games in class so yeah that's a good point that's one of the reasons i've been a little wary about connecting the game to their grade like we'll do stuff for grade you know you have to you have to write a story about your character write their backstory right and i grade them on their grammar and their punctuation all that kind of stuff right but tying the actual game to their grade I know, I know some people do it and they probably do it well, but I've just been a little worried about that because I've been worried that the game becomes not a game anymore, right? And now it's, now it's work. Now it's something that's, that's bigger stakes and, and it's like, uh, I, don't, I don't know how this is going to create the, the end result that I'm, that I'm looking for, right? Um, and so that's been a challenge. What, are, what have been some of the other challenges you've run into as far as this kind of stuff? Have you run into any issues with your principal or the other people around like, oh, you're just playing games? Because I remember like when I first started doing it, people were like, wait, you're playing D&D? You know, you're like, you're doing this like fantasy game. I was like, well, let me explain why. And so like, there's some uh, skepticism for sure. Like, have you run into that kind of thing? Yeah, um, I guess as far as university instructor, I have a lot of freedom to do what I see appropriate for my learning outcomes. Um, With the general English courses, they do have a standardized test. So if my students are performing very poorly on that test, then, then they'll... Uh, come to my door and see what's going on <laughs> but um as far as other challenges for for the grades in my class i it's it is connected but it's separate from the mystery game so that takes takes that so essentially you could just look at the knowledge points minus the mystery game and that's their score for the class so earlier we mentioned, you know, you mentioned time being an issue. Is that how how much of a challenge has that been, right? Because it it takes a while to create this stuff and, and make this content, and then it's like, okay, how's this going to work? Is it going to be fun? How's it balance? All that? Like, what has been your challenge as far as time and and making this? Yeah, time. You need to make sure you have have some time to to put together the games, or if you're using a game that's already been made, it's a lot easier. I mean, you just apply that in the class, and you have to modify it a little bit, but for the refugee game that that took me probably 10 hours to make and it's it, it's not like a full perfect game but it, it took a lot of time to put together something for the, the students to experience and so even then like it's not perfect so i you kind of need to spend more time making sure it it works like the negotiation game i probably spent maybe 20 or 30 hours total on first designing it and then changing some things throughout the course of the last maybe two years. Yeah, definitely. I think it's something to be aware of. It's going to take a while. It's a lot easier to say, hey, kids, read this article, answer these questions, and we'll talk about it. It's so much easier to do that than it is to like put this stuff together. But I, I find that doing this and going the extra mile 
is, is very much worth it. And it really makes uh, students engaged and they're, they're glad to come to class. They're excited about, you know, what you're doing. And that's, that's worth its weight in gold any day. Uh, when, when kids like get pumped up to like come in the door and they're like, all right, are we playing the game today? Are we doing this? Are we doing that? I got an idea about what I want to do with my character. I got this, you know, I remember where we left off and I've got an idea about how to like solve this problem where we were. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Now, as far you know, as we as we kind of close this out, what what would be your advice? Just general advice to someone who's thinking maybe they're a teacher, maybe they're not, but they're thinking about making games that would be appropriate for the classroom that would be designed maybe specifically for a classroom environment. What would be your advice to that person? Well, I guess I can answer that question as maybe if you were a game designer and from the perspective of myself being a teacher, yeah. reach out to teachers. I think as a game designer, you if you are trying to build a game for the classroom you may or may not have experience as far as some learning outcomes that teachers might have and just asking around and seeing, well, what are your students learning in class and being able to kind of build those elements into the game, I think goes a long way. I mean, like I said, some of the games that are not, they're not meant for language based education, but because I've been teaching English for a while, I know that some of these things in the game are great for learning objectives in my course. Um, and as far as a teacher, I think playing playing a lot of games is, <laughs> has been really helpful for me. Whenever I play a game, one of the first things that fires in my brain right. is how can I use this in my class? Like, is it possible? Like, that's when I when I get into a game, that's the first question that I think goes into my brain. Is it possible to use this in my class? If it's a no then my brain turns into gamer mode and I play the game. <laughs> if it's yes, I'm still thinking about, well, what, what part of the game is, is possible to use and what elements will help my students learn. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome. Well, Dustin, man, I really appreciate your time. You want to plug your podcast real quick and just in case we want to know more about this kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for having me. I mean, it was great to be on your show and thanks again for coming on our show as well. Uh, our podcast is Board Gaming with English and we teach English learners how to uh, improve their English or practice their English. We also have teacher edition episodes. So I know a lot of your listeners are probably uh, board game professionals, enthusiasts, or maybe educators. Those are meant for educators, the teacher edition. And we explore topics like game-based, games-based learning, gamification. Um, we've had some guests on there that have been in higher education. You were on there, provided some insight about D&D. So come check it out, Board Game with English. Awesome. Well, man, again, really appreciate your time. Good luck with the podcast. Good luck with the classroom and you know designing games for the classroom and everything else you got going on right now. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?